The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Doing a little shoulder shimmy. He did. A, I think he was doing that for uh, for Taylor Swift. Yeah, well, maybe. Think, right? it was, Is that it how was she ends one of his concert? lesser games he's ever played? I right, will he shook say it that. off. He shook it off. His piece. He shook it me. off. Oh yeah, baby. What's up, everybody? It's the Wednesday Treasure Hunters edition. What the f happened? Podcast, and we will shake off. The rest of week four with our film notes. Ahmed Farid is here. He's looking quite handsome today. Thank he you. got his hair cut. I did. He's wearing a burnt orange zip up that I've never seen him wear before. First time ever. First. Yeah. I notice things like that. Yes, I do. I'm, I'm very aware. And, and I, I thought I, so. I asked Kathleen, too. I go, do I the do Longhorns? Is it for the Longhorns? Is that what you're wearing? Or it? for fall, but it could be for the yeah, Longhorns. Okay, yeah. yep, or fall. I go, do I, fall do I unzip it, or I could go full zip, where it's almost like a turtleneck. Well, you got like the 1970s butterfly collar going it's on right now. It's a big You're like, yeah. The Bee Gees if, over here. On, if you're watching on, oh, on YouTube. Now, oh, so now it's see, a cozy winter mock turtleneck-ish type thing. Which I kind of like. That's not bad It's not a bad look. You're right. What do you vote for? Pete, what do you vote for? Wow, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to the collar. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's 79. It's 80 degrees out, so it's, I don't think you need to zip up right now. <laughs> I did uh, notice that is, as I was walking. It is kind of crazy. Cooler in the building, though. Cooler, yeah, cooler in, the building, in the building, and that's where we do this show. Um, all right, so let's do. Uh, hey, by the way, and yeah. Hey, by the way, what's up? There's been, there has been some backlash to Taylor Swift. Oh, you no. That? In our country? No. It's like, this is the cycle of everything. Oh, what, what is it now? I mean, it's 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 become political about two people dating now. I she mean, got booed at MetLife. Uh, of Pete course. Pete was there. I think Pete probably well, booed her. Well, Jets fans. They hate... Uh, oh, it, well, that was... She's a Giant fan. What are you talking about? He was at a Giant game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. It's Jet fans. Jet fans hate that's life. Right. They yeah. they hate life. I, that's what I've come down to. I mean, it's, it's it really is. It's no. just it's. I, what? Why would they boo her? Why? Because she. I guess she's rooting for you know Travis Kelsey. I guess that's why. Is that the big reason? It's because everything that gets popular, then you know. And I will take some blame for this. Like right. we in the media, we we are starved for attention. We, when we see a story that is getting some attention, we're like, all right, let's hammer that story, and yeah. then let's hammer it a little bit more. And I got you. And then so then everyone's got the backlash of like, okay, now it's a little too much. Uh, the Giants fans, Pete, note here, booed her. 
I don't know why. My wife said old football men just can't hang, handle a young, successful woman. Oh, I, I hear that, too. See, now we got that I, I hear that. That is the giant crowd. You know, <laughs> the giant crowd doesn't hate life, but it's a bunch of old, like, we just want to sit on our hands and not really cheer that much and smoke cigars <laughs> and, you know, live the life that way. So there's the flaw there. Yeah. But, damn, I don't know. It's still really cool. Totally. I, it, it really is. Why not? I, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Embrace uh, football fans of all shapes and sizes. Exactly right. And it's not a manufactured relationship it's real uh i know enough people now and that are connected to that situation to know that it's it's like she's not doing it to become the most popular person in the world times two (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and he didn't do it just to up his game it happened all i think organically from everything i know here's the problem though once they start playing poorly which they didn't play great right right they're gonna get chiefs fans they're gonna turn on her and be like your distraction exactly yes right of course of course but no it's been awesome and uh yeah, we'll see where it goes. I, I, let's just enjoy it, though. That's what I exactly. say. Right? Enjoy yes. it. Enjoy just it. enjoy it. It's not going to be here forever, and some people are like, good. Uh, all right, so it is uh, What the F Happened. Chris took a deeper dive into the film of the Bills, Man. how they held down that Dolphins offense, Commanders, yep. Eagles, Patrick Mahomes, and Zach Wilson. We gave you the instant reaction on Sunday. We'll give you a little more The world flipped dive around. around. I mean, we're booing Taylor Swift, and they're cheering, cheering Zach Wilson. What yeah. the fuck is going on around Patrick here? Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions, <laughs> bad ones. Uh, the Ravens <laughs> offense, we'll take a look at that. The Bengals again, what's, what's gone wrong with Joe Burrow and that offense. And C.J. Stroud, plus the big butt. Of the week. Oh, awards. I'm interested in Probably that. Probably can guess these ones. These ones are kind of obvious. Are they? Are we'll they obvious? Them. Yeah, don't, don't try to guess. I don't don't give it away. There was a lot of good big butts out there this week. So I, it's, it's, it might have been right. tough to dwindle them down a, a little, little. A little intrigue right you there. Know, you were comparing this week. You I were was, like, mm, that one's to... nice and round. <laughs> yeah. And he had good stats. Well, Ooh, that's, this yeah. one here is even rounder. That's the tiebreaker, right? If you both have eight pressures, right. it's like, what's the tiebreaker? This guy's hamstring extension off the round butt. I think he gets the tiebreaker. Is it a higher butt? You know, <laughs> Is it a yeah, yeah, different shapes? For. You yeah, know, you some are wide, for. some are higher, some are lower. <laughs> yeah. You don't know, but yeah. usually, as long as they're big, it translates to something good. People who are <laughs> listening to this podcast for the first time with Taylor Swift and the butts are just like, "What is this? Yeah, what, what are is we this? doing? What, right. How did I find this here?" Well, well, you're in good hands because Chris has looked through the films and sent 13 pages of notes. Wow. He is no longer burnt out. He is he is ready. He is ready to go. He's awake. He's had his third cup of coffee already. <laughs> yes. So let's. Start Start with the Bills defense versus the Dolphins offense. Uh, Bills again with a dominant victory, their third dominant victory in a row. But this one was against the the highest quality of opponent. Forty eight to twenty was the final in this one. Um, so maybe we just start with like kind of like the comparison because yeah. you look at what the Miami Dolphins did offensively, and they still almost had four hundred yards of total offense. Yeah, that's right. I know. They ran the ball pretty well. Right. They threw the ball even on a bad day. It's still like whoa, they're they're so dangerous. But the first three right. weeks they were averaging five hundred and fifty yards of right. total offense. And so the Buffalo defense did slow them down, did make life difficult. Um, but how did they do that? And, and what exactly did the Bills show us this week? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is, and, 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 and of course, I think we hit a little of this on Sunday night, right? Like, uh, the, the, Buffalo's real. Buffalo's real. Like, I, I'll certainly tell you here that, you know, I didn't expect them to look like this. The two middle linebackers are awesome, Okay. Teron Johnson, their nickel back, is one of the best nickels in football. I'm not sure their middle linebacker combination, and I'm, this is no disrespect to Tremaine Edward, mm-hmm. Edmonds, who signed a big contract with the Chicago Bears, but I'm not so sure they're not better. Just for their scheme, what they do, what they need in their scheme, they got you know maybe a little bit smaller, 
with with uh, this group that they got there now, but they're faster and maybe more aggressive and being able to shoot gaps and stuff like that. All right, so their front seven, which they play nickel all the time, is a pretty special group. The the depth in their D line is real. Guys like you know Shaq Lawson, uh, AJ Epinesa, who are now backups, which added their depth. They're having awesome years. They've popped the last three weeks every time I've watched film here of them. You know, the guys in the middle, Ed Oliver so far to me is having the best year of his career. You know, Greg Rousseau here through four weeks is going like, hey, this is why I was the first round pick. So they're having guys that have stepped up to the plate and gone, wait, wait, I need to be better than what I was last year. Then you talk about the addition of Leonard Floyd, right? So the personnel, and if we're just going to start at basics, I would just go, the first basic thing is that the front seven of the Bills won the fight against the Miami Dolphins, right? And then, then off of that, didn't let some of the tactical things that the Dolphins did and have done to other teams, especially in the run game, they didn't let that expose them right now what I would say was the Dolphins if you play too deep right where we've talked about a little the first few weeks they're different because you go they can run it this year last year you played too deep they were just like we're still gonna throw it we're still gonna throw it they've done this year go we're not gonna let people get away with that and they've gashed people in the run game Buffalo was able to play too deep and because their front seven was so good and some tactical maybe a you know, a slot blitz off these tight splits they do or something every now just to, to disrupt things was just the right blend. But you heard me last week. Like, how many times were the Broncos going to let their end guy in the line of scrimmage get cracked down block, right? And they were going to let the ball go outside, and it was going to be a corner. Like, oh, no, I'm now the number one edge defender, and yeah. i got to stop the guard and the running back here, and I'm a corner. I'm supposed to be covering a guy down the field. Buffalo didn't let that happen the whole game. Right When they got in those type of splits, Leonard Floyd or whoever's the defense end, they moved out and they said, I'm right over you, wide receiver. You think you're going to block me down? And, of course, that didn't happen. So proper adjustments, getting hands on receivers. Like I talked about, you gotta, we, we always talked last year right, with the Dolphins and the Eagles. you got to take a few, ah, I'm going to blitz and do this here, even though I, it leaves me vulnerable in a spot or two. But they're so good and have so many answers. we got to take a chance like this every now and then. And yeah. they were good at that, too. Like, they got in a few defense alignments where I was like, man, the Dean line's like really pushed over one way. And then, oh, the guy that was off the, you know, co- looked like he was covering the, the wide receiver off of a tight split kind of close to the tackle, he blitz. So now that edge is, is taken care of, and they have guys for the strong side because they pushed everybody over, right? So they did good things like that. I think yep. that was the biggest thing, you know, as far as just if you had a, had a base thesis of, of the day and what they did there. So this is why I like this so much because there are sometimes you learn things like, other teams can take advantage of and how to slow down the Miami Dolphins. And then there are situations like it sounds like what you're describing here is the Bills are kind of built with the way their front line played, front yeah, seven played. Right. Um, the way they're coached. The way they're coached right. is that they might be able to slow this down and other teams may or may not be able to do this, some of the same things. Agreed. Because you said also in your notes, you noted that the, the Bills' communication pre- and post-snap was incredible. Incredible. They're, they're all over. Now, they've always been so good at that, but you know, Dol- the Dolphins test you like no other team, right? Yep. I mean, it's like, you know, of course, you have to have bright lights on Tyree Kill. Rules change. You know, he's here on, you know, stacked behind a receiver. Oh, now he's over here by himself. A whole different route tree goes off. you got to change change coverages, change fronts, because they package it with certain runs and everything that way. Phenomenal that way. And then, as we've talked about, the ball gets snapped, and 
you know, four guys move four different ways, and it's like you could just see they were, you know, tell, point the ball was snapped, and they're pointing like, hey, he's coming here, and they're just they were talking and all over it. Yeah. So they made no mistakes that way, and that's where they were really good too. If and you, then, if you yeah. can figure out, sorry, yeah, if you no, can figure good. out a way, and you noted this too again, right? You said when the Dolphins are third down or have to do straight dropbacks, that's they are it. not the same offense. They so are not. however you want to get that done, right? And the Bills did it their way. However you want to get that done, they right. have more of an issue then. That's where you have to do it. There's two things. I think I said it to you a little on Sunday you know, that jump out to me when you play the Dolphins. I said it at least in Football Night in America when I was talking about the game. Is um, uh, one – what was the, what did you just say there? What were you just saying there? I just I lost my train of thought. You were uh, – oh, okay, okay. So, one – you got to get them the third down. That's yes. what I was like. Yes. Wait, where, where, where am I at? Yeah, yeah. Third down. You got to do that. Yes, because now the threat of the speed sweeps and some of their crazy runs and then some of the screens, like, you know, it's, it's gutsy to call that on third and seven. Right? Yeah. Coaches aren't going to call that. They're going to have to really see something or take a chance because they're going to go, wait, man, if I throw a screen here and we get one yard on third and seven, it's kind of stupid. I got to give myself a different chance. So there's some things out of the playbook a little bit in those situations. Plus, the play action fake does not have the same effect, right? Now the D line's not going to stop and go, oh, they're, they've been given the green light. Go get the quarterback, right? So that all of that is not going to matter as much. Some of the moving parts aren't going to matter. And usually on third down because of that the Dolphins are more stationary right mm. and and now it becomes a little bit more like McDaniel can't just just trick it up so much it's a little bit hey here it is and now hey we know you're gonna throw and Tua's got to maybe throw you know into a tighter window and we know like arm strength is not his number one thing there so that's just again it's not like it's a guaranteed thing but it's one way to look at it and go okay if we can get him there we do have some things working for us and then the other thing you heard me say I think on Sunday night hands up hands up are a huge thing with this football team I mean, think about their game. It's here. It's right. It's a little play action. Oh, over the middle. Oh, over there. Oh, over the middle there. Oh, in the seam, right? And then if you have guys like Gregory Rousseau and everybody who, you know, he's a giant. He's the jolly green giant there. You're trying to – he's sticking his hands up. Oh, oh, now it's second and ten. Now we're one play closer to getting you into that third down position we talked about. Yeah. And they did a very good job of that, let alone, as we always talk about with any good offense, right? You can't let them get in a rhythm of like, hey, we're in this formation and they're, they're kind of playing this coverage against us. They ran every two deep coverage known to man. Every two deep, every combination you can imagine, every version of two deep, everything. So even though you're calling two deep plays as Mike McDaniel, you're going, wait, these are nuanced. And some of these are like, yeah, this kind of works for two deep, but it might not work against the two deep I just saw the last time. So that's another where they did a really good job of uh, at least keeping them off of balance as much as they could with their two deep coverages that yeah, way. Well, a couple things, too. So there were not as many guys open downfield. Tua probably had to take a little longer. He was sacked four times against the Buffalo Bills. He had been sacked just one time in the first three weeks combined. You noted that the Bills had a really good idea of where the hot route was, too. Definitely. Definitely. I'm glad you brought me there because that is the other thing that goes into like some of the tactical blitzes, right? Where you go, ooh, you know, man, they're going to blitz and kind of leave him there. But McDermott's a, a master also of breaking down protections. He really is. And this has been him throughout his time there in Buffalo. So once he starts to get a feel, ooh, the back's here and they slide here, or the, this, this is here and they, do, they slide there, 
right? He'll feel comfortable, again, with some of those tight splits. Let me blitz a guy off the edge. They're not going to have anybody for him. And, okay, I might give a completion up, but it's not going to let anything develop downfield to where we're covering Tyree Kill for four or five seconds. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm pulling my hair out. Can we do this this much longer, right? So what happens now? They blitz somebody off the edge. Oh, wait. Oh, I got to throw to that guy hot. Well, they've seen all week on film that you blitz that guy. They kind of know their hot rules. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, Micah Hyde's coming down. Yeah, you caught a ball, but it's like you caught it and you turn around and you get tackled and it's a three-yard gain. And that's a successful thing with Miami when you're playing Miami. You're like, okay, I'll take that. It's better than him sitting back there and us having to defend these fuckers running around at a million miles per hour, right? So, again, those tactical chances, I think, are very smart. And I don't think they over, you know, they might have all out blitzed a few times in the game, but for the most part of the game like I said it was four man it was blitz one drop one as they got more and more comfortable and they saw their d-line was kind of whooping butt they stopped doing anything at all and they just said go get them and that was that was good mm-hmm. and then you know every now and then they might blitz two and drop one but you know of course their main concern of the day was to make sure that they had people in coverage and their guys at the second level like I told you Bernard Milano and Teron Johnson are phenomenal and they can cover a lot of ground run game and cover a lot of holes in those quick little seams that the Dolphins find in the pass game. Yeah, Milano 10 tackles forced to fumble. Bernard, five tackles, had the fumble recovery. Uh, they did have an interception. Micah Hyde at the end of the third quarter. I know you took a closer look at, at that mistake yeah the lone yeah. interception in the game for Tua. I think like Tua there, you know, they're getting a little impatient. He's trying to make a play happen. Clearly the the worst decision of the day, right? It was a clear Tampa 2. Here's a great picture. Good job, Pete, finding this here. There's Tampa 2, classic, right? All right, and here, here's another point off of this, okay? What did we say last week with – remember I was saying – like, the Broncos didn't even touch their receivers. They just let them fly down the field. Right. Look what we got here. You got a guy up on the slot, right, who's running the vertical, who two is going to throw the ball. He's just got around Teron Johnson. And look at the bottom here on the 30-yard line, Tyree Kill, right? They, he really wants to throw to Tyree Kill inside over the middle, short, right? But Milano played him inside and was like, you're not coming inside of me. You might go around me inside of me, but you're not coming inside of me free and just going to catch the ball on the run and we're going to be all running after you like you're, you know, the, the roadrunner here, right? So those are, again, the little things and playing the correct leverages with coverages. Here's Tampa 2. They know, oh, Tampa 2, teams like to th- the middle linebackers in a drop down the middle of the field. Teams like to throw to that voided area over the middle. They're, they're smartly coached. They're well coached. So they said, fuck you. You're not coming in here or you're not coming in here easily. You're not mm-hmm. just going to get the ball and boom and see later so here the just another great example but yes this was not his best read here now what I think he is probably thinking and here you see you know Bernard's fast so he can run with these guys up the seam and that makes it a little tight and Tua sees that so he tries to throw it high to get the ball I think this was to Smythe I can't remember who he was throwing to exactly but as you see he throws it too high and it falls right into Micah Hyde's hands yeah. and an easy interception for him yeah led to a touchdown for the Bills after that and then uh, that was kind of Dolphins like, win. right? 
turnover on downs. I think the last three drives they had. After yeah, that, right. So. That was kind of that was kind of all she wrote right there. That, that was the moment when you felt like, ooh, okay, they're they're they got this game. They're they're in the Dolphins are in trouble, and the Bills are, are should handle this bar, barring you know something stupid or crazy that way. All right, there it is. Be yeah. smart like the Bills. Have some talent, and you too can only give up almost four hundred yards against the Dolphins and just twenty twenty points. You're, you're just trying to make a that. pun a yes. few times, like one time a half, two times a half. If you're like uh, that. That's almost how you have to approach it. Uh-huh. You know, can we make them punt once or twice? Can we make them settle for a field goal, right? And and, and that is the big thing I think in in, in playing them. But they did an incredible job, uh, really throughout. And I think you know Leonard Floyd's addition, and now the depth they have, and like I said, now Shaq Lawson and Epinesa are not starters; they're yep. backups. And those are incredible backups to have, right? And now you're going to throw in Von Miller into the the thing here coming up this week, it sounds like he's going to play. I mean, I'm blown away, you know. And then, you know, you talk about the big guys in the middle as far as uh, Ed Oliver, like I talk about, their second guy, their second group of guys, Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a good job in the middle there. You know, so they really, uh, I want to say and apologize to Buffalo that they're better than I was expecting. Yeah. I misevaluated, and they're definitely one of the best teams in football here through four weeks. The Bengals should have been our playoff team from last year that, that was going to take that a step I maybe back. canceled yeah, them out, right? We should have canceled them. Yeah. Uh, Bills take on the Jaguars in London coming up this weekend, so Man. we'll see what they can do to Trevor Lawrence. Be His life will not be fun No, no, it won't be. And their offense, like we've talked about, are close, but don't have it clicking totally here. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be some challenge for them with this group coming to town. Buffalo, you could tell, is feeling it right now as a team. They're chippy. They're flying around. They're confident. And I mean that not only by what I'm watching on film, but what I hear and see, talking, interviews, what I read. Um, there's a mojo in Buffalo right now that I, that I like, and, and I'm believing in it as, as of right now for sure. And the Dolphins have a get-right game against the Giants coming up. So oh, yeah, that'll seriously. be good for them. Their schedule works out for them. <laughs> Drop How dare you? He does not How like that you? one. Um, <laughs> all right, so that that's good. I, we we learned some stuff there. Let's learn some stuff about the Eagles now, because they had a closer than expected win in overtime right. against the Washington Commanders. You took a look at the Eagles on offense, the Commanders on defense. You know, the Eagles end up still scoring 34, big game from A.J. Brown. So they had some big plays, especially as the game kind of went on. Um, but early on, I thought it was kind of surprising. You noted. That the where you want to start? You're going to start with the Washington O here, or are you going to start with? Uh, I was going to start with the Washington D. Oh, okay, right, Washington you, D. No, no, no it was cool. Like? I just wasn't sure which way you're going to go. No, there. I was kind of trying yeah. to switch it up on you. A no, little no, bit, you were good. You're good. I was disguising my coverage there. I didn't want you to know where I was going. <laughs> um, well, like one of the more interesting things for me was early on in your notes about the the Washington D is that they were playing a lot of pass pass defense, and usually when we see that, the Eagles just run all over the team. Uh, that is lining up and trying to do that. Uh, but the Eagles, at least early on, didn't quite do that or weren't able to do didn't that. Didn't do it. It was a little odd. I think it shows you kind of the respect they have for that front four because, you, you know, they're they're pretty, like, prototypical in the way of, like, they play the numbers game. Oh, you're playing pass? We're going to run it. Oh, you're playing run? Okay, we're going to pass it. And, 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 of course, they're so good that they just they can keep it simple like that and they can kind of dominate you that way. Yeah, in the first half, I thought the Eagles were a little impatient. The Eagles, I felt like, came out like, we're going to throw it no matter what. We don't care today, right? A little bit of that way. And off of that, yeah, the Commander's D, you know, I was expecting to turn on the film and kind of, 
you know, ooh, see, you know, ooh, what did they do? This is going to be interesting. I'm really excited here. And it wasn't anything that blows you out of the water. It was really like, hey, we believe in our front four. We think they could stop the run and get after the quarterback a little bit. But we're going to play coverage, take away the big play, and make them march the field and see if they can be patient throwing the football and doing that. And we're going to you know, hope one of our guys maybe makes a play to get us off a field in, in a big moment, right? That was kind of the approach they took, and it, and it worked. They didn't even get a whole lot of pressure, you know, with not. the front four. They did not. It wasn't like it was like, oh, wow, like, man. I mean, no, Hurts had a lot of time, and that he got in a little groove there at the end of the half that got them going a little bit, certainly. Um, but, yeah, no, they, you know, again, that eagle, where they did do good, and where I think, you know, one, I don't think the Eagles were patient enough with the run, but a few times they did run it, they did a pretty damn good job with like, whoa, they actually didn't have the numbers in their favor. They're putting a lot of pressure on the D-line, and you went, okay, so that's where they showed out a little bit. But yeah, yeah. pass rush-wise, it wasn't like, oh, man, this front four, they're getting there by themselves all day long. But at, at the end of the day, right, you know, we saw – uh, we saw the Eagles have to kick with no time left on the clock a field goal to get 10 points in the first half, mm-hmm. right? So that to me was like, wow, that was really cool. You know, I, you know, here we go, second half football. I was kind of expecting the, expecting the same approach, and things kind of changed from, from that standpoint a little bit, and that's where I don't quite understand the whole thing. So the, you were scratching your head, I felt like, while watching this tape, because we have a graphic that indicates how much better the Eagles' offense was in the second half in overtime than it was in the first half. Just 10 points in the first half, 24 in the second half in overtime. Many more yards or yards per play got a, a bump up, too. They ran the ball a little bit more, and that's that's what you kept note. You, you you were scratching your head. I could tell with these notes because you're like, Washington actually played more run defenses in the second half, but the Eagles for whatever reason were more committed to the run against the run defenses. It, it was a little backwards. It it was. It was like, okay, well, you know, and you I, wondered why Washington even switched up because the first half was so good for them. I I I did not. That was that was the thing to me. I was just like, I, I don't get it. And it was like it was kind of opposites day. So I was right. You were baffled. I, well, I, I was definitely baffled. And you know, I think what happened to the Eagles too, where they just went, wait, you know, hey, they're you know, okay, second half. I think they made a conscious effort because Washington controlled the clock. One of the things we talk about with the Eagles, hey, if your offense can stay on the field, that's a huge advantage. And that's one thing that did happen in the first half to where I think the Eagles went in at halftime. We're like, hey, we've got to run the ball a little bit. Our defense was on the field a lot in the first half of that football game. Mm-hmm. So I think they took that approach even though they were like, okay, hey, damn, they're down here and now they're playing the run a little bit more. So they were a little bit more patient. But as you know, to me, that, that's the scary thing, you know, so they ran the ball. They were getting a little bit more of aggressive defenses, and then I felt like they were like, "Let's just run it to keep them, continue to keep them down there and aggressive." Because sure. we're starting to get looks on the outside where it's like, "Are you kidding me? Like you're going to leave AJ Brown just one on one? That's Demonte Smith just going to be one on one? Like you know, a number of plays in a row?" And that is what, yes, did baffle me, and I didn't understand. Hey, baseline, you saw what I, my summation was at the end. 
We played one way in the first half and let up 10 points. We played another way in the second half and let up 21 points and really probably should have let up more. Like Hertz wasn't totally on his A game and missed maybe a few chances to hit some other big plays down the field that he will look that he looked at, I'm sure, and was like, oh, damn, right? So that's where I did not get it from Washington's standpoint. Like, at what point, why didn't you just go back and readjust and go, you know, hey, I think what we're doing here in the third quarter and early fourth is not as good as what we were doing in the first half. Let's go back to what we were doing there. And that, that to me, was definitely confusing. A.J. Brown. Uh, goes off in this one. Like, how, how would you how would you defend AJ Brown? You have to have some sort of presence. You know, you 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 can't play two people on him all the time. I understand that, but you got to cheat safeties there. You got to give the illusion every now and then that the safety does look like he's maybe playing cover two there, but he's still playing single safety. But he's got like body positioning that might scare the quarterback. There, there's not going to be any easy fixes there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a tough task. It is. You know, that's the greatness of the Eagles. You play too deep. They run it, run it, run it, run it. And then you go, okay, we got to get some people down there. And then you leave yourself a little compromised on the outside. And, of course, the Eagles are not afraid to throw the ball down the field or they're not afraid to throw the ball outside the numbers a little bit and just go, hey, we'll play one-on-one ball. We'll throw an out route. We'll throw the go route. We'll throw the post route. Fine with us. And that's where it's, it's, you know, it's going to take a special team and a special front yeah. to ever beat the Eagles, as we know. So I think Eagles fans were probably a little concerned after that first half. The offense only scored 10 points, but then they did get rolling and eight had that huge game and they ran the ball swift again had 56 yards on the ground they were over 100 yards on the ground as a team so maybe you feel like okay by the end of it but the defense is where I think some of the concern is for these Eagles fans especially in the secondary Sam Howell and those weapons that Washington has uh, made some plays certainly in the first half second half uh, end of the game for sure so when you took a closer look at the Eagles defense and the Washington offense I mean, what, were, what would be your concerns if you were an Eagles fan watching that defensive tape? I don't have a ton of concerns. I don't. I think the first thing that has to be noted <clears throat> is Washington's offense is legit talented, right? Like legit. I think you saw my notes. One of the first things I wrote down is I just go, you know, and, and every, the homies out there have heard me say this already, but like it, it just when you watch a few plays, you just it jumps out to you to where you have to write it down as you watch it. And you sit there and you go, damn, they got some guys that get off the ball and can fly down the field. Like, right? So they're skill guys. I put them up there with anybody in in football. I'm not saying they're the best, but they're in the upper echelons of the game as far as that's concerned. When you talk about their top three receivers or top four receivers, both backs are damn good. The tight end's good. So they, they pose some problems for you. And this fucking kid at quarterback, right, He he's too, like – He's like I I, I kind of le- like him. He's like so gunslinger, carefree. He did, I don't even think he's like, well, I'm playing the Super Bowl, you know, the team in the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. I don't really care. Oh, he's open. I'm gonna throw it in there. Okay, great. Like he's got a way about him that's like it doesn't seem like anything really flusters him. And he's not scared. And he's and and so and then the offense is damn good behind it. My thing last week when I broke down this game, what I worried about was I just went. 
man, Washington's O-line had kind of been all over the place in every game, and I just went, man, this group here, I just I worry that they're going to get totally steamrolled. There might be some plays to be had down the field, but I don't think they're going to be able to block Philly to let some of them develop. That wasn't the case in the first half of the football game. Washington's pass pro was about as good as I had seen it all year long. They answered the challenge. You know, hey, well, all week I'm sure they were like, hey, guys, guys, this is the, this is the, the best D-line you're going to play all year. You better be ready. They're going to ruin the game. So yeah. they really answered the challenge that way. And I think they also caught Philly in the first half did not seem like they were flying around with the same intensity that I see them. And, and then what confirmed it for me was in the third quarter – it's like they went in and they were like, hey, guys, what the fuck? Like, Sam Howell's sitting back there dicing us up. Hey, D-line, are you going to show up today? And it's like somebody got on them a little bit. And they were a different team in the second half with, with how they came out and just the intensity in which they played. That, that, that certainly jumped off the film. Yeah, you noted that uh, maybe one of the plays that Howell missed was Dotson. A play late in the second quarter was open for a touchdown. It was really the first negative play you saw First from negative play, right? And, you know, and, what you, and why I write these things down is because, like, it's it's there's only so many opportunities you get against this team right you know like 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 hey we just talked about the Eagles offense and one of the things like hey Emmanuel Forbes right he had two balls in his chest like you got to catch those you want to upset the Eagles in Philadelphia you got to catch the interception that hits you in the chest twice at least one of them right same thing here like ooh, they kind of messed up a coverage you're going to get seven points. Oh, no, wait, we're just going to settle for the field goal. And now it could have been 21 to seven, right? And it's only now going to be 17 to seven. And listen, it wasn't like it was egregious. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it, right? But he had the time. You know, I think he's got a clock in his head, and he's been told all week, hey, you can't hold the ball all day. So he got the ball out of his hands, and, yeah, Dotson popped to where you'd go, ah, man. You know, for the most part of the day, he had kind of hung in there and waited for those plays to develop. So that was one, you know, he felt a little pressure, right? He had a guy that was like kind of got a good jump onto his his backside a little bit. And he felt that, but he was still being blocked. And it was one of those where you're just like, hey, if you step up, you're just going to be able to boom and you're going to be able to throw from this clean pocket. But instead he kind of just stood there. And so he felt the push of the guy. And I think that led him to get the ball out of his hand a hair quicker than, than he wanted to, really. And then life got tougher in the second half. Oh, yes, pressure, They kicked it into gear. Jalen Carter played a little bit more. Only played a handful of plays early on in the first quarter. I didn't even know he played in the first. Like I, in the, uh, so, you know, I, not that I'm looking at everybody on the field every play, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's nickel. Okay, whatever. But, you know, on, on big plays or anything dominant, I'm always like, oh, who made that? You know, let me see who that was. Who was the front four? that was in there and in the first quarter I don't know every time I gave a little closer look I was like wait I don't think Jalen Carter played but you know I, I stand plays, corrected right? Pete, Pete I didn't notice him until the yeah. second quarter right and then I was like oh 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 and then and slowly but surely he starts to pop more and more around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but Marines will always be there They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Let's go inside the numbers powered by AWS here to take a a little bit closer look at that pressure rate because in the first half, like you said, no, they couldn't get a whole lot of pressure. 28.6% pressure rate. The second half in overtime, though, it bumped up to 41.9%. And then here are the guys who did it. Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter. Look at all those quarterback pressures as the game went on. And those are, I mean, again, it's like, you know, that's their D-line. And they had a few tactical blitzes here and there. Yeah. Like three out of the four first plays of the third quarter they came out and blitzed and I was like oh so this is what happened in the third quarter the second half they started to be more aggressive then they didn't blitz at all till like the very end of the game where in an overtime they blitzed a few times but this is the problem they pose for you whether it's a four-man rush or a five-man rush I mean look at that group of names right there so the Eagles had four different pass rushers generate at least six pressures all four had a pass rush get off of 0.75 seconds or quicker I've never I've never quoted the get-off time before. I, no, I, I don't know if I have either. I don't know what's a good get-off time. I, you know, that's that's a good question. I'm not sure, but Josh I'm, I'm saying the, the fact that this is up there is is it means they're all pretty good. If six seven is the best, well, no, Hassan Riddick got point six six. That's a little bit better last time I checked. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, but but I, all I know is they got a lot of. Big-ass award winners and guys that can get off the ball and do things that are just special. And that's where, to me, the game changed. It's just that, you know, in the second half, third quarter especially, Philly offense stayed on the field more. And then Washington got into a few situations, and, and they're, you know the Eagles' defense started to dominate and make some plays to where, okay, Washington got out of sync a little bit. And to really, to me, the big thing was, like I said, other than those three of those first four plays, the big thing was just that the D-line did start to dominate more in the second half of the football game. I don't sit there. This is not one where I went, oh, they totally changed what they did, and it's like, ooh, they started to double this guy, and they blitzed a little bit more. No, this is one where it's just like the hot poker went on some guys in the locker room, and they said, "Hey, we, we got to be better here," you yeah. know. And uh, that that's definitely where they were were a different team in the second half. I mean, Jalen Carter in the second half, like it's it's amazing. We've seen it all year so far. So he had six pressures, and he has had at least four pressures in every game of his career so far. Yeah, I, he's. He's worn, like I've said, he's worn sap with just like 30 years of evolution here. Yeah, for Seattle, thank God Devin Witherspoon had that pick six, or else they'd be like, what did we do? You can't block Jalen Carter with one person. You can't. 
Yeah, yeah, it's one of those where like the TV doesn't do it justice. You go back and watch the film, and you go, if they don't slide the line his way, and the guard doesn't have help with the center, the guard is going to go back into the lap of the quarterback. He's going back there. There's, n- I haven't seen anybody stop him yet. And then, and then occasionally it'll be a, <laughs> and he goes by you with speed. So you're bracing because you're like, man, he's pushed me back like five plays in a row. So let me really brace myself. And then he hits you with quick hands and quick like leg movement. And you're like, oh shit. And you turn around and you go, there he goes hitting the quarterback. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm dead serious. I don't remember a D tackle as a rookie jumping into football and jumping out like this, like yeah. this, like instantly. And that, that's where it's special, let alone, like we know, they got, you know, a bunch of other dudes as well. But you, you saw my notes, and one of the things, it's four-man rush, seven guys in coverage the whole half, other than, like, you know, a few blitzes here and there. That's where Nicholas Moro, the middle linebacker, got two sacks, right? They had, a you know, one or two where they got, oh, we kind of feel good about what they're doing protection-wise. I don't even think one of them was a blitz. I think one of them was like, hey, I'm supposed to cover the back, and he just ended up helping out blocking, so then I add up. On, right so it just tells you how good they are um and uh yeah i think that pretty much covers it for the most part those you know, nine the, the overtime throw to mclaurin you know you're living good the foot's gonna come down inbounds and he steps on the guy's arm and it doesn't get to go inbounds i think I, they did that on purpose that's right? the most unbelievable Put thing your i've arm ever seen under their feet that's so it they... hey good vibes to the eagles <laughs> the eagles fans they're yeah. living right and like you get that right there i was just like man everything's going good for the eagles now i just wanted to note the nine pressures for josh sweat were a career high and that was inside the numbers presented by aws eagles are at the rams coming up commanders Versus the Bears on Thursday night football, so Commanders can get uh, a win there because I think the Bears don't want to win anymore. They want to keep those top two picks in the NFL draft. <laughs> yes, seriously, it is amazing. When I heard that last week, I was like, right now they were like the Bears have the first two picks in the draft. You know, I just I haven't thought about the trade with Carolina in a while. Yeah. And I was like, what? So it's their pick and it's Carolina's. Yes, man, wow. I know they are sitting pretty right now. Um, hopefully, they can make that that count there. The Eagles and 49ers are sitting pretty as well. The last two. Undefeated teams, so DraftKings has the bet out there. Who will be the last team to not lose a game? The Eagles are favored right now. They're minus 145. Yeah. The 49ers are plus 120. So if you had to pick who's going to remain undefeated longer, the Eagles are at the Rams, at the Jets, and then they have the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. That's right, right. So that's the one I'll say I look at is the Dolphins to be like, okay, that, that I don't think they're going to lose to the Rams. I don't think they're going to lose to the Jets, you know, but Miami, Washington, Dallas, then Kansas City, and then Buffalo, and then San Francisco, that, that's pretty legit right there. I think, though, 49ers have the Cowboys this Sunday. That's Sunday right. That, that's the big one right here. You know, if they win that, I just look at that and go, man, with the way things look right now, and I think they match up pretty good with the Browns. We know the Vikings, yeah. the Bengals, the way they look. That's certainly not being, you know, being billed as what we thought it was, right, early in the year. The Jaguars are still finding their way. I don't know. That's four. There's a buy-in there I between know. the Bengals and Jaguars. But that's uncommon to see four road games in a row like that. That, that, that actually is pretty crazy. Seems like that, you know, West Coast team it's, flying east, they might slip up in one of those, uh, you not know, play their best game. I don't know what uh, why I'm going to do this here. 
Uh, um, and the Bengals game is at home. It's 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 oh, home. it is at yeah, home. it is. There was a, oh, it's it a is typo. It's all okay. good. I, I had to look myself because I was like, man, the NFL almost never gives a team four games on the road like ever. I was like, that has to be a typo. Yeah. Um, but we just wanted to see if you guys at home would catch that error. I'm I'm gonna go with the Eagles losing the first game. I, I am. I'm just I, again. I, I got no magic reason here, I, other than I do think, you know, I'm expecting San Francisco to beat Dallas this week. Okay, so I'm putting myself out there right now. I'm going to say that. Okay, okay. And then I think their schedule is a little bit more favorable after that. The Eagles haven't been playing their best ball, right? And I just think when we get down to that. Miami, Commanders, Cowboys. I know they got a bye, and then they got the Chiefs and Bills coming up. Yeah, I don't know why. There's something. There's just, I'm going to ride with the Niners this one. I think they're going to be the team that stays undefeated. I think they're playing better football right now, too, on both sides of the football. And, again, I know that doesn't mean anything when it comes to December, January talk. The Eagles are going to get this right. I don't really doubt that. But, yeah, the 49ers, to me, are clicking on all cylinders. You just got the bonus, the preview pick for Sunday Night Football from Chris right there, 49ers over Cowboys. Uh, Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. It's a tongue twister. It is. Download the app and use the promo code unbuttoned when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The The crown crown is yours. yours. (laughs) Boom. We nailed it. Uh, DraftKings can just use that as like their template for any other podcast that's out there. Even though our name's all over it and unbuttoned. Yeah, feel free. We were so good right there. Recycle that. Um, All right, the Chiefs beat the Jets in a game that came down to the end. Taylor Swift was there. NFL fans were mad or happy or whatever if you're a Swifty or not. Uh, Zach Wilson was good. Patrick Mahomes was bad. Like, the world's upside down. Like, you never, you would not have called any of this stuff, like, three weeks ago, and now it's now it's gone crazy. Wait, um, is it crazy or is it crazy? Can we just hit on this a little bit? <laughs> Which part? The Taylor Swift part? Or well, the- no, the Taylor Swift part, of course, is crazy, and the fact that, like, Kelsey, you know, having a... What is he got a booster shot thing on his Instagram? And I'm like, are we are we really going here now with all this stuff <laughs> yeah. and all that? But what was really crazy, forget all that stuff, is is like the media sticking up for Zach Wilson. Like, oh. what has happened? Like, I, I think the media is now now Rodney, us. our friend Rodney Harrison, might have helped this out a little bit with some of the harsh things he said about Zach Wilson. Yeah, he even, which I think people are out. going a little overboard on like like the fact that he said harsh things. I want to be like, man, like people have been saying this stuff and worse about Zach Wilson for like a year and a half. But. No, because you're right. Because collectively, the our mind, our collective hive mind, said this is going to be the time where we pump up Zach Wilson. And Rodney did not play along with our hive mind in I, that moment. I, I guess you're right. I guess that's kind of what happened there. It was uh, pretty. It's it's pretty amazing right now. And, and now everybody's got a soft spot in their heart for Zach Wilson, and it seems like everybody's rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like everybody was like, couldn't wait for him to fail. You know why I think partly different. that is because what, what is it? Because I think it's boring if he's bad continuously. Like I think people are ready for that story to be over, and they are desperate for. Uh, I hope so. A, a turn for Zach Wilson here. Okay. And they're rooting for you and and and, and me and Zach Wilson to be uh, to be the guy that we all thought he could be back in the day, and maybe we saw some inklings of that in yeah. this game at times in this game. Yeah. You looked at the tape. What what did you think of Zach? Was he was he really really good or was he just good? He was. Good, mm. and he was really good on a few plays where you went, "That's a special throw" or whatever, right? Yeah. 
That that that. But was there still some more to be had there? If we're going to keep it real and keep it honest, yeah, definitely there was. You know, but it still was an unbelievable, you know, performance bounce back game moment stage to go. Hey, wait, you see some of the things I can do here and I can be damn good at it. Right. And hopefully now it's something that gives the thing you saw in the second quarter was you literally saw confidence in the player for the first time where you went. Man, he's just seeing it, and he's not double-clutching it. Like, wait, am I seeing that the right way? I'm not sure, right? And he just started to see things and let it go and just, like, react instead of maybe second-guessing himself or overthinking certain situations. And then the biggest thing is what? I mean, you saw what I wrote in the notes. First down passes, Mm. right? It stopped with the, well, run it on first because we want to protect him, and we're going to we're going to run it on second because we want to protect them. Oh, and then, wait, are we protecting them now that it's third and 11? Because is that protection? That seems like it, you just set them up for a career suicide is what it mean, mean, meant to me, right? So that's where the game changed. That, to me, was the biggest thing. They finally took the training wheels off a little bit and gave let the kid play from a, a, a position of power instead of always being behind the chains. Oh, don't do anything stupid here. Don't hold the ball because it's third and 11, and now they're blitzing, and, and we don't want to turn it over. Like, whoa, that's fun playing quarterback in that kind of system, right? This game, it was like, hey, on first down, we're going to play action, and fuckers are going to be 20 yards down the field. Throw a laser. And that's where, to me, the mindset for Zach Wilson and the whole offense changed because of that. Yeah, you noted that early in the game, first quarter, second quarter, into the third quarter. What were the Chiefs doing? Were the Chiefs doing anything to, like, throw him off or make him uncomfortable or make him second guess? Yeah, you know, it was the most underwhelming Chiefs defensive game plan I've seen in a long time. (laughs) Oh, really? It really was. It was almost like they were like... Let's stop the run. Let's not let them have a one-on-one bomb fest and let them hit Garrett Wilson deep, right? Like, and that was about it. And I think they kind of were like, hey, if we just play simple and we're sound, we'll beat them. I, that, to me, is what their game plan looked like. You know me, I'm a huge Spags fan. Usually he's got a few things where you go, ooh, that's cool. That was a cool blitz. Ooh, I like that coverage, whatever there. This was one of the more vanilla game plans I've ever seen them had. And I, I think I even wrote it right at the end of my notes where I was a little bit, it's like, I thought I did at least. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But it, 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 it kind of felt that way. Uh, yeah, I wrote. The, the Chiefs, I will say the Chiefs' D, D game plan is about as simple as I've seen from they really were just trying to play sound, stop the run, and the Jets will fuck it up. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Um, but, of course, they didn't fuck it up. They fucked it up a little bit. Certainly had their chances. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there was a lot of positives there. And the offense did enough for them to win the football game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Because we're a fair and balanced podcast, we have to point out the negatives with, yeah, with well, Zach. Yeah, we have to. Drop the snap. Um, Drop the snap. That, I mean, it just you can't do it. Uh, I, I don't know what other what else to say there. I mean, it, the ball was he got snapped one that was kind of like a 
it was of course short and low, but also it was like a die. It was like dying out, mm-hmm. right? So it's one where you know you usually get a snap if it's low. It like it feels like it's still going to go through your body a little bit, right? So it's like oh, it's low, but it's going to hit my knees and it's still going on that trajectory. This one was like at his knees and like dying out, like a sinker, and mm-hmm. is it from a pitcher yeah, almost, yeah. right? So it's like I think he thought like oh, I'm just going to grab it, and it fell a little lower than he expected, and he didn't get his hands on it. And that's yes, that's um, you know. That's a big mistake and a big moment, certainly, because you know. And here's another thing that needs a little bump before we jump back to Zach Wilson. You know, the Jets' defense has got to start some games and finish some damn games. As good as they are, it's on them a little bit. I mean, he fumbled the snap with eight minutes left to go in the fucking game. They didn't get the ball back. Like, that's, I don't know what else to say. You got a team of all stars on the defensive side of the ball. Somebody make a fucking play and get off the field and get the ball back. And same with the start of the game. Right? I mean, we've seen the starts of games with the Jets. Teams just march down the field. You know? So there they are, the team that wants to, oh, we'd like to make it a defensive battle, or if we can get to a 3 or 7 nothing lead, our defense can fly around. They can never get to that because the defense lets the team go down and score so early every game. Mm-hmm. That's where the Jets' defense is disappointing. But back to Zach Wilson, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, we have, so we have a pictures, too, of a, of a misplay here. It was a third and two. Um, yeah. And he went to uh, Tyler Conklin. Conklin. After the, the scramble, end. he makes an amazing escape. So we're down here by the by the goal in the red zone. All man to man. There was three receivers to the left, right? So Lazard, Cobb, Garrett Wilson are all to the left. They know it's man to man, so they're all running a crossing route. The whole play is about throw it to the back. If they get this here, because the back who is offset to the right with three receivers to the left and the tight end to the right, it's all a glorified pick play to make the middle linebacker who's guarding that back on the right have to cross through all the trash of the three receivers who are running a crossing routes that are really running routes to go. I hope we get in your way without sure. making looking at like pass interference. Right. And then you throw the ball to the back. And this would have been an easy touchdown. The, you could see right here the guy covering him has run into Alan Lazard on the hash at the 13-yard line, right? You see that? Yep. That's Drew Tranquil, their middle linebacker. So here would be my assessment of what happened. And then you see here he's wide open, but Zach has already come off of it. Zach came off of it too early. He did not let the play develop. And this is where I think he, he – this is where he's still in a little bit of a rushed – frame of mind, right? And the game is, you know, you always hear that phrase, the game's moving fast, right? Those are little things right there that show me he's still not totally comfortable in seeing what he needs to see. But here's what I think he did see. Trank will recognize the play quickly. So he attacked downhill to where if you saw his first three or four steps, you go, damn, he's going to be there. And as soon as I throw it, He's going to catch it, and he's going to get tackled by Drew. Tranquil saw it. He saw it coming. Yep. But it's a fucking pick play, so you got to let that all happen. And so by the time he saw those three or four steps, he kind of panicked like, oh, no, they're going to be all over that, and he went somewhere else. And on that fifth and sixth step is when he ran into the Jets receiver. So that's just, again, where experience, slow down, chill out. Now, he did a great escape. You'd like Jack Conklin to catch that ball in the end zone. It would have been a tough catch. You'd like him to throw the ball better, too, but it didn't happen. But those are, like, things where I go, yeah, that's where I could see the game is still fast for him. Even now, we get to the, now we go to the second touchdown pass that he threw on the left side to Lazard. 
the guy down the middle was wide open. That was double post, halfback burst, okay? I know that play. It's two jet, double post, halfback burst. And he's supposed to read the guy down the middle. The guy down the middle was open, and he went outside. Now, he made a great throw, and it was tight, but he made it happen. Mm-hmm. But that, again, just again, just say it was great. But that just, there's little things that go, yeah, he's, it's all improving. We're doing really good. But he's still not quite seeing the field to the, the capacity that, that he should. What would you see from the other quarterback? Patrick Mahomes, two interceptions. And when we were doing the podcast, you were like, that was a dumb interception. They're, like, they're two of the dumbest interceptions I've seen. Now, the one at the end of the first half probably didn't matter that much. No, um, no, you're right. It, 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 well, it mattered in the fact that they they were you know one other completion and they're going to be in field goal territory yeah. right so th- there was a chance for them to even like put more pressure on the jets at halftime and more pressure on Zach Wilson and the jets offense that of course has to be feeling it right so that that to me um yeah the the i kind of newsreeled the side of the ball so i didn't write any notes yeah. i kind of just wanted to watch it and get a feel for it the first thing is the chiefs can legit run the ball this year that's the first thing i would tell you secondly Right, the Jets' D is good, but yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes was off his game. It's about as off of his game as I could, I've ever seen it that way. Right? Yeah, there was a few plays to be had that I think he might have missed, and you know, the other thing I get to too with the speed of that Jets' defense, it, it shows a little that you know the Chiefs are not fast at receiver. You know that that'd be another problem too there. But to me, you know. I think what happened is the Jets played a little bit more two safety defenses than I think they were expecting. I think they played a little more cover quarters and did a little bit more of that to where I think they were going to see more. They thought they were going to see more of their Seattle three, and we're mm-hmm. going to have all these plays that kind of beat it. And they called plays at times where we're going, oh, they thought they were going to get Seattle three, and all of a sudden they dropped out and played quarters, and now that play is not going to be very good right there against that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would think they got them a little bit. But to me, I play it more in the – like the Chiefs get a big lead, and oh hey, it's Taylor Swift, and we're the Chiefs, and we're put, they're the kings of taking their foot off the gas pedal and kind of being lackadaisical at times. They got screwed over. That was not a safety like we talked about. Um, that was a bi- a big moment, and then the turnovers, of course, were really big as well. But yeah, that was a uninspiring performance by their by their offense. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes didn't need to have a great day throwing the ball because he can just rely on his legs and those big scrambles for the first down at the end of the game. That was incredible. Uh, Chiefs at the Vikings coming up next. The Jets at the Broncos. Uh, breaking news. Ooh, hey, wait, I want to hit one more thing on the... Do we, have, do we have... Wait, are you doing that for the breaking news <laughs> no, or the Colombo one more I thing? I want to do one more thing. Okay. okay. One more thing before we move on to okay. your breaking news. Okay. Underrated play of the game. The safety Brian Cook being all by himself, 40 yards down the field, one-on-one with Brees Hall, and making a tackle and saving a 80-yard touchdown was incredible. Hmm. That was incredible, right? Um, now, the other thing, too, hmm? was two one more, more thing. things, <laughs> is... Zach Wilson's got to see the safeties better at two different spots, right? Because he left a few throws on the field and a few plays, and then even could have thrown an interception or two where you go, oh, he got lucky there. Okay, it's one thing to see the safeties pre-snap. 
Okay, oh, blah, blah, blah. but as you know, it's blue 48, blue 48. You're looking at the safeties. I got this, blue 48. And now you're checking blitzes. Sad hut. And you look and you go, wait, let me see. Did, 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 did any of the blitzes come? You got to get back up and go, wait, what was the final picture for the safeties? You can't just go, well, I saw them in cover two three seconds before I snapped it. So they're going to be there after the snap two. And there was a few plays like that where I go, you got to be able to see where the safeties are now, and that got him in trouble and also caused him to miss a few plays, and then that's just my last thing I'll say there. Sorry. Okay, so that was yeah. one last thing, which turned into two last things, brought to you by Columbo, streaming now streaming on Peacock. On Peacock. Uh, the breaking news was that the Broncos have cut Randy Gregory. That's shocking. So Randy Gregory is Randy no longer Gregory, a member of the Denver Broncos. Two years into a deal, making big money, and he's going to be a commodity on the open market here. I mean, he really is. But I wonder what happened there. I'm guessing it's playing time. The team wants to focus on young players. Exactly. Because they got some dudes, right? And I want to pull up their team here so for a second. But Cooper. He's, he signed a five-year, $70 uh-huh, million dollar uh-huh. contract earlier this year. Two years ago, right? Well, I mean, last says, year was his first year of his deal, right? Schefter says in 2023. I think he's mistyping that, right? That was, last, that was 2022. He was on the Broncos last year. Um, but, but maybe he, he just re- but yeah, maybe so, just resigned so it this Schefter, off season. Sure, now, maybe if, they did a renegotiation maybe, there. Maybe like there was something there. I don't know. Uh, either weird. way, the point is that, that I would think that they still owe him a lot of money. So that's a big deal that they're cutting him. They can say they want to focus on young players. I'm sure they wanted to start some of their young players. I get that because I will say this: Cooper, uh, number zero, is the real deal. Nick Benito. The kid that we talked about, he was a top five pass rusher coming out of Oklahoma for us two years ago in the yeah, draft. Yeah. He's the real deal. So they got some dudes on the edge that um, can get after the quarterback. And I think they can get after the quarterback in a better capacity than Randy Gregory is. And I'm sure that they were playing them more. And he was disappointed about that and complaining. And they finally just said, hey, screw it. You know, it's the old, you know, we, we want volunteers, not hostages. And they got rid of them. All right, so so some shocking breaking news. As they got to be careful. Work. He's got to be careful there right now. Yeah. You know, he's got the locker room's got to be a little bit like, what's this all about with Sean Payton? Is he as good as they say? All of that. So he's trying to make sure he gets this culture the right way, and he doesn't want to have a a veteran making a lot of money talking shit about him and the coaching staff in the locker room. So yeah. that that's what it looks like to me. And again, I have no inside info there. I'm just you know kind of. Reacting to the news. Sean's way or the highway. Well, that's the truth. Denver. Skip the waiting room. TireRack.com now offers convenient mobile tire installation in select areas. Simply shop TireRack.com for your next set of tires. And at checkout, choose Tire Rack Mobile Tire Installation. An expertly trained technician will arrive with your tires and install them on site. At home, at the office, wherever you are. You'll spend less time waiting and more time doing the things you enjoy. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. 
and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Uh, Ravens and Browns. Let's move on to that one now as Chris flips through his notes. The Ravens dominate the Browns, who did not have Deshaun Watson. Uh, 28-3 to was the final score. Now, you had voiced some concerns yeah. last week about the the Ravens' offense um, was was were the things flowing a little easier for them, or were they just the benefactors of some turnovers and short fields? What what did you see from the Ravens' offense after taking a deeper look? Some encouraging things. All right, I, I think the big thing is I'm I'm still not going to sit here and tell you that I'm like blown away by their pass game. I think the thing to look at in that game is go. Lamar saw the field pretty well. He took care of the football, and he was pretty accurate throwing the ball, too. And, of course, we know that that defense is good. And they didn't have Rashad Bateman, and they didn't have Odell Beckham Jr., right? But I don't look at their pass offense right now and just go, oh, wow, they're doing a lot of cool things. Watch out. They're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's negative or anything like that. But I'm just trying to say it, it's not like I'm like, oh, Todd Munkin has unlocked mm-hmm. this part of the playbook that I've never seen before, right? I'm just going to say that. But it's still very good. I think what you have to say, too, too, in, in this, this type of conversation is, yeah, the passing game, he was efficient, he was smart, saw the field the right way for the most part. Cleveland's corners, though, I, I want to stress this, are I, I think through four weeks I'd put them up there with anybody in football. Wow. Denzel Ward and Newsom are awesome. They are both playing at an unbelievably high level. So no one's going to be throwing the ball easily on that group right there. And then when you couple that with that fucker coming off the edge, 95 miles, Garrett, and Zadarius Smith, and the rest of the group they got, yeah, they're tough to throw the ball on. If I think, healthy, that's a top five defense. No doubt about it. I do think. The only thing I worry about with Cleveland, and this is where I'm going to get to here, is their depth of their front seven. Mm. They are, have a noticeable drop-off after their four starters, right? And that, to me, is going to be an issue. And they asked their four starters to play a lot of snaps. And that, to me, was the big thing. And you saw my notes. And the big thing is the Ravens are still a really good running football team. And, of course, they're missing some O-linemen, too. Yep. So they need to be healthy there. They're still built. They're still Their bi- biggest and best thing they do is bully you, overpower you, and be physical. So I know they got money and weapons that are allocated to the pass game. But what I would say to them and what you saw in the end of my notes is I said, Ravens, run the fucking ball. The pass game will come along with it. Don't force it. All right? You know, the pass game still needs work. You know, like they need a healthy O-line and the wide receivers. But they're running the ball well. Lamar looks fast, and he's he's throwing it well. Mm-hmm. But the pass game, not high level, and it's hard to throw against the Browns. But that, that would be the big thing there. And I do get moments of the game where I feel like they're still like, wait, we're paying Lamar this money, and you know, we got this new offensive coordinator, and we got to throw the ball. And I'm just like, wait, we, we just ran it like down their throats and down their throats. Why are we all of a sudden now going to go three plays in a row passing the football? And I think they're getting a little stuck in that mode at times. But I was encouraged with how they ran the ball and, and, and what they did. It was old school Ravens in a lot of ways. A little nitty-gritty here, but I think the football, 
all aficionados will like this, like ones that like the X's and O's, is the defensive ends for the edge guys for the Browns are pretty aggressive get-up field. And so how do the Ravens uh, attack that and counter yeah. that? They were like, hey, you want to go upfield and get the quarterback? Sure. You know, Now we'll block down the defensive tackle. You'll go flying upfield, right? So now our tackle is blocking down with the guard, and now we got two guys on Dalvin Tomlinson. And because they're so aggressive and get after the quarterback, they'd have a guy, a puller, a tight end, or whatever, who'd come across the formation. And now, yeah, that DN wasn't blocked, but he's kind of gotten so far upfield that we got a guy here, boom, we kick him out, and now the C-gap is the size of a truck, and we're going to run through it. And that was one of the things they took advantage. They kind of used their speed and aggressive against them to a degree hmm. and even had some other ways even with like inside runs the same way where they're like hey de-tackle go upfield go ahead and then somebody from across the formation would make a trap block or kick them out a little bit so that was one of the good things they do you know me i love the ravens when they start pulling guards and pulling linemen because i, I just think it's hard for teams to defend they're big they're powerful and they start to impose their will on you and that's where i think still think they have you know a a uh, great advantage on on a lot of teams and i just feel like um the last two weeks i've seen more of the old school ravens type run where the first two weeks i felt like it was like oh they were trying to be todd monkey and we're gonna throw it throw 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 the last two weeks it's like somebody got in the offensive game plan room and was like hey guys um um we've kind of been like the best running team in football the last few years like how about we keep doing that a little bit yeah and those plays that you know lamar was an mvp on and gus edwards and everybody like they worked and nobody stopped them yet like why are we not doing it and i feel like they got back into that the last two weeks yeah. and especially this past game and as good as the browns defense is teams may be able to run on them they're not the biggest defense they're not out the there. biggest especially the good running teams should be yes, able to run on I, them. That, that's it they're going to be a pain in that butt but you're, you're a good offense with a big o line i think you can wear them down a little bit I, I think that's the right way to say it i think you're spot on there Ahmed. browns can rest they got to buy then they're Facing the 49ers in week six, the Ravens go to the Steelers. Oh, boy. Big one, be tough right? for the Steelers. Oh, my need gosh. To bounce back no from doubt that loss to the Houston Texans. We'll get to C.J. Stroud here in just a second. So just a couple, probably more quick hitters, because we have talked about both of these topics in the past, but we yeah. like to reevaluate. We like to know if something's different, if something is, if the trend is becoming like permanent or if it's just a weird one-week blip. Yeah, we got to. The Bengals um, versus the Titans here. Bengals offense looks terrible again. You said on Sunday night, that you felt this felt different than the last couple of years where they've struggled and but they've still put up points and Numbers, yards and you and, saw yeah. you were like oh they're close it's like hey people are open and oh they just didn't protect as good here whatever there was plenty of things to look at the last few years and go i i like what i see here it's not perfect but i like it and it, i can see where it's going to turn the corner i don't have that feeling right now I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm worried in, in every aspect. So you, you know? took a closer look at that offense and, yeah. and the pressures and the, of, and the way the yeah. Titans got to them. Right. I don't know. I mean, what, what did you, what did you think? It's you look at the numbers. Average depth of target for Joe Burrow is terrible. No, it's just like four it's yards. Embarrassing. Right I think it's the worst in the NFL. I think actually. it is. I think it's the worst ever through four games in the history of the NFL. <laughs> if I saw the, that stat correctly, yeah. go up, uh, across the TV screen somewhere. Yeah. Um, even before the forward pass was even legal. It's just like somehow teams <laughs> are still doing yeah. It's still somehow back to the Newt Rockney era of <laughs> yeah. throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I, but why? Like, obviously, they w- don't want that to be the case. They can't block. It's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing. 
And then, like you've heard me say, they don't do anything schematically to make anybody go, whoa, wait, whoa, we can't play this aggressive defense. Oh, oh, hold on. They might do this to us. They might, you know, they came out in the game early and there was a few little like, oh, okay, yeah, they don't usually run this formation. But again, I'm not, I'm like, it's still nothing cutting edge. Mm-hmm. You're going, hey, they don't do this usually, but everybody in football does. So it's not like, oh, whoa, like the defense is like, oh my gosh, they put three receivers to that side. And the tight end on the other side. Oh, my gosh. What do we do? Coach, call a timeout. We don't know how to adjust. But that's like a wrinkle for them. And all right? And I'm having a little fun here. Yeah. But my, bir- my first thing and the, the biggest thing to me with any great offense or any good offense is you got to be good at something. And the first thing I would challenge and go – if I was going to you know, talk to Zach Taylor or Joe Burrow and they want to call me and go, hey, what's some words of advice you'd give me? Of course I'd say, hey, I'd like to see more motion and some different formations. But you guys got to go, what are you trying to be good at? What is, what is it? I, that's where I don't know, right? Like what, what are we as a team that first we're going to be really good in this area that now we're going to make you, whoa, we're playing them and they're really good at this and we have to bend our normal scheme to stop that, right? That's what good offenses do. And then what happens off of that? Oh, they're overplaying this so much and doing this. Now we got some other ways to attack them because we're so good at this, they're having to play a scheme they don't want to play, right? That's what – like the Dolphins. Hey, hey, we're going to be so good at over the middle, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden you're going to play all these defenses stop the middle of the field, and all of a sudden we're going to go, hey, here's a toss. Here's a wide receiver screen out here because you've overcommitted to stop to the first thing they were great at, right? So they don't have that. That would be the first thing. And then along with the simplicity, I mean, the run game, it's really got two or three plays. It's, it's two or three plays they run. So there's never anything that defense goes, ooh. And when they want to run the ball, they can't line up and go, we're going to get underneath the center and bring two tight ends and just play smash mouth. They can't do that. So then they want to go, hey, let's spread it out and just see if maybe we can play the numbers game and hand it off that way, which is always going to be simple runs that way. And it's hard to do that and be successful time after time after time. And then when you couple that with the fact that they can't protect at all and that all five guys take their turns and getting their asses whooped in record amount of time as far as quickness getting beat, it's just issues there across the board. Yeah, you really sum it up well. You said the play action and the shotgun has – uh, no, merit no merit because they, they don't run the ball well enough. Um, yeah, no one is scared to blitz them, too, because they feel like their corners Thank and you for safeties can, can basically just jump the routes. Jump the routes, and there's no, they've shown nothing that, hey, when you blitz, they might do this, and it's scary. Like, ooh, right? You know, that, that's the other thing, too. Like, you blitz the Dolphins, and you go, well, you know. They'll find a way to get Tyreek Hill a slant over the middle or they'll throw a wide receiver screen over to the left and he gets makes one guy miss and, oh, no, we blitzed everybody and he's gone, right? So that scares teams from, from blitzing good offenses. Right now, they don't ever put out anything to make you go, well, oh, oh okay, oh, he's going to try to throw a slant route off his back foot here as he gets pressure. And that's their answer to it. And teams are like, okay, well, we kind of saw that on film. We're expecting that. So we're kind of running to get the slant anyways. That, that, that's the problem there. Yeah. Um, so I just want to make sure I, I just no, – I think the, the main, think the, the big main thing at the end, like the concern would be, is this breaking Joe Burrow? Like obviously he's playing not 100% healthy, but 
the the pressure that he has, yeah. the, the the quickness in which he has to make his decisions it is. now is it is it breaking? It, 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 he's did he like he probably has like five plays in the game where he'd go, oh, I I actually had a little time there to pat the ball and I could have let that play develop. Yeah, but I also look at it and go. It wasn't like easy slam dunk. And I also go, I, I can't blame him for his clock being rushed in his head. I mean, he drops back. He looks to the right. And it's not like Daniel Jones, but it's the second closest thing to it in football right now where you go, he has no chance, right? He's literally going, is one wide open? Where's two? I got to get it out. Where's two? I got to get it out. And then because he can't move the same way, he's not able to save some of these plays like he could either. And I think that's part of also the other reason where I go, I don't like what I see right now. Because, yeah, in the past, too, it might have not been great pass protection, but his movement and slippery son of a bitch Joe, as I always called him, right? Yeah. He could kind of slide and move, and you'd go, damn, the protection was bad, but he still slithered, slithered his way through the pocket and hit a 15-yard in cut. And he can't move like that right now so that's another thing that's hurting their ability to you know make a playoff schedule or do something that way playing behind a bad offensive line on a bad team is breaking a young quarterback like Joe Burrow where it's the opposite case with a rookie quarterback CJ Stroud who we thought maybe could be broken by a bad Houston Texans team it is completely different as Chris makes sure he, there's not one more thing he wanted to say about the last I think game. I'm good I'm good uh, so don't mess up that perfect transition to, to CJ Stroud I won't tore up the the Steelers, 30-6 to was the final score. Another good game for him. And so I would, I would think this, and Pete notes in a rundown too, you always mention the Ravens as a team like no rookie quarterback wants to face in his first game. I would think early on in your career, you don't want to play a, a Mike Tomlin, a Steelers defense with some good talent for sure. Agreed. Agreed. TJ. Um, but CJ, it didn't, affect, it didn't affect him as all, at all. When you took a closer look at what he did, what were you even more impressed with? Well, one thing, let's just go team-wise right off okay. the bat, oh, right? Sure. Is go, because it's perfect timing off of what we just talked about. They have an identity as a team, an offense, right? That's the first thing. They are a creative, run-first football team, like Shanahan and the 49ers. So the first thing they make you do, and of course teams are – are like, oh, wait, it's a rookie quarterback, so they're going to run the ball anyways, right? But they don't care. Their, their thing is we got a bunch of different run schemes. We're creative. They're pretty good up front, and I think they're still adjusting to the scheme and some of the things they're being asked to do, and they're a little banged up up front. They're not even totally healthy. And, uh, so, But that's the first thing they do. They are going to go patient with the run. They're going to be creative with the run. They're mm-hmm. going to make you respect the run. They are. And if you don't, that running back and some of the schemes they do, you're going to get gashed in the run game. So there they have something right away where teams go, hey, we're playing the Texans. We got to worry about this. They do all this stuff. We got to stop this. And then what they play, oh, man, the Pats stink. They are horrible. Um, but uh, the, 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 so now you're worried about that. Okay, and the Pats don't stink. They're not horrible. Yeah, they're, they're just not, they're yeah. just okay. You have to say that. Okay, to you, you know, I, I have like to the, say that. The to back him. He's a mass hole of my boss. Okay, <laughs> but he he um so but because teams are so aware of that and they're very detailed and intricate in their running game, now what's it do? Oh, we have to overplay it. Hey. We got all these awesome play-action passes that I tied together with all these run games and I taught you all week. And, man, so they got, like we talk about with any team, they make you defend something 
that they're good at. They make you defend the whole field. And they have a ton of plays that kind of start off looking the same that are different. So you see a run play and you go, ooh, that was a cool run play. And then they run it again. You go, damn, that's a cool run play. And then they got a play action pass off of it. And you go, oh, that was a great way to, you know, make them think it was that run play again. And ooh, now he's open. And then, oh, they do the play action pass and he looks downfield and oh, it's a screen to the running back, right? So that's where they're good. And they have an identity that way. And then this dude is awesome. I'm just going to say he's one of my new favorite quarterbacks in football. I love watching C.J. Stroud. Hmm. I do. Dude knows how to play the position. Dude's arm is special. The way he sees the field is special. His release is special. He doesn't throw anything but dots and spirals. It's a dot. It's a spiral. I mean, and then his movement, right, the thing that people talked about, oh, no, does he doesn't run enough or move enough. His movement in the pocket is, is Tom Brady-ish, you know, for a young quarterback. I know he's not Tom Brady yet, mm-hmm. but he knows exactly where to step up. His movement outside of the pocket to break the pocket and run and do stuff there, it is good. He can run. His speed is real that way. So he's got it all that way. And you're, then, in, you're in love. I'm in love. I mean, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in football. I'm not even joking. Like, yeah. no doubt. It's not just like, oh, rookie, whatever. I can already see the way this guy plays that this is going to be one of my favorites. Um, because he's, you know, he's an elite thrower of the football. And, and he has every club in the bag. And you can tell they trust him by what they ask him to do you know, how aggressive they are in certain moments. They know he's like, hey, he was 16 to 30. It wasn't perfect. But a bunch of those completions, there was nothing there, and he was under pressure, and he throws it away and doesn't take the sack. You know, it's just like a lot of good quarterback plays where you go, damn, for a guy making your fourth start, like – that's incredible composure and like knowing where to throw it away. You know, he even like has some plays where you go, oh, what happened there? Oh, he was under pressure. He didn't, he knew if he couldn't throw it out of bounds because he was in the pocket and it's going to be grounding. So he kind of throws it close to where a receiver is, but like not to where anybody can catch or anything, but you can't be grounding, right? Mm-hmm. It's little things like that where I go, that, that's damn impressive that way. Um, he can throw off his back foot effortlessly. And he can, of course, push the ball downfield, and you're like, damn, did he just throw a 30-yard middle post to the tight end? I mean, did he even try? Like, So that, that's where his mechanics are so flawless and so repeatable that he is truly a machine throwing the football. And then uh, their play action and Nico Collins off of that is a special little combination they got working right now. They are like... They, they're like simpatico. He, they're like in each other's head. They know what to expect and what to do against everything. No interceptions, no sacks taken in the game. Like you noted, he was able to get get rid of the ball. And I think, you know, you underrate sometimes, and we all do, yeah. like avoiding sacks. Definitely. I mean, those sometimes those are those they're are drive almost, killers. They're almost as bad as an interception. Like really, in they're some situations, killers. right? You're right. I mean, you know, hey, listen, I don't care. You know, second and eighteen is is a hard, is a really hard thing to overcome in the NFL. Because if you throw the interception thirty yards down the field, it's like you take a sack fifteen yards and end up punting thirty yards down the field. It's, it's the basically same the thing. same thing. It is. It is. And that, you know, you look at sacks like that, and yeah, I mean, the success rate of the drive or whatever else goes way way down when you take plays like that. So he's got a great football IQ uh, that that is really rare for somebody this young. And then they're they're doing the right things around him, but also doing things around him because 
you know, I know that he's given them the confidence with what he does in practice on a daily basis and some of the things I've heard that way to where, yeah, this dude's smart. He sees the field well. He understands the game, and he's doing it on the practice field to them, then, them being going, hey, let's throw it here. It's okay. He's a rookie. He's, we can trust him. And uh, he's in the trust tree, I think, because of his actions on Sunday and his actions Wednesday through Saturday in practice. Texans at Falcons coming up this weekend. Steelers against the Ravens, as we mentioned before. All right, that closes the book on the deep dive film sessions. It is now Boom. time to take a look at Giant Butts. Yes, it is that time. Big butts, and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Time to give some love to these big guys. Some touches. A couple sacks, forced fumble. He's a butting superstar. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. This is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. So both of the guys this week are not butting superstars. They are superstars. They have been superstars for quite some time. Our defensive tackle, big butt of the week, goes to the legend Aaron Donald, led all defensive tackles with eight pressures and six quarterback hurries, and played 52 snaps, fifth most among defensive tackles. I'm biased towards that. I like a defensive tackle who plays a significant portion of the game. I agree. I'm with you there, too. It it just shows you there's a motor and a love for the game and grinding it out. And, yeah, it's, it's special. And it's like, it felt un-American for you to go through four weeks and not have Aaron Donald it's on here, crazy. right? You had to do it. I, that is one where, like, I haven't watched that game back yet. That'll be a, maybe a, a Friday morning, Saturday morning type of thing where I go, hey, let me, I haven't really watched what the Rams did on either side of the ball there. But, of course, not shocked to hear that. Yep. He's so amazing. He really is. Um, he's he's you know, arguably the greatest we've ever seen at that position. In the running, my guy, John Kaminsky from the Lions and yep. Daquan Jones from the Bills both had seven pressures each. They were go. pretty good. Yeah. So. Could not surpass Aaron Donald, though, the legend. And our edge big butt of the week. I mean, this was, there was no way it could go anywhere else. Khalil Mack versus the Raiders, six sacks, three hurries, nine total pressures, uh, two forced fumbles, even had a pass defense in there. Like, he basically, it was a one-man wrecking crew on defense. I I mean, everything I saw all day, too, it wasn't like, you know, there might have been one, maybe two, like, you know, I think maybe the first strip sack he had might have been one where you go, okay, that was a, looked like a little bit of a covered sack. The other ones were just like, from everything I saw, just collapsed the pocket. Like his inside stab move, right, where if he's lined up at left defense to end and his ability to now come off the edge and inside arm people – and get underneath their pads and push, right? That was like, I don't know if you remember a few years ago at the Pass Rush Summit, everybody was like, tell us how you do that that, mm. that way, right? It's become a thing in football because it usually, like, when you do speed to power the in the history of football, it's like, oh, speed is not working. Now let me take my two hands and just jam them into the guy. He's kind of like, hey, I'm running around the edge, and all of a sudden one arm just hits you, right. and you're like, whoa, and he gets you that way. And everybody tries to replicate it. And I, I saw, I think, at least three sacks where he just the tackle went flying because of that. Uh, like, unbelievable. Another game I haven't gone back and watched yet. Another be another like Friday afternoon during sure. lunch. I'll go through it and do all that. But excited to see it. Good for Khalil Mack, though, really. You know, he's still a really awesome football player that gets a little crap because he doesn't get as many sacks as what people think he should yep. for the amount of money. He's still a phenomenal 
edge run defender, football player altogether, and uh, that was an unbelievable performance. The back and big butt of Khalil Mack with his elephant trophy in 2023, along with Aaron Donald getting his and, first. And what's amazing is that Micah Parsons yes. still had 10 pressures. <laughs> I know. I, I noted that in there, too. Yeah, he, he led all edge with 10. It's just like that's a ho-hum. Oh, and by oh, the way. Oh, and by the Michael way. Michael Parsons had the most Double pressures. digit pressures again. No, no big <laughs> deal. Uh, yeah, he's going to win a few more as the season goes on. Real quick as we end here. Uh, breaking news with the Chargers and the Rams. Chargers traded J.C. Jackson to the Patriots for a swap of late-round picks in 2025. So you said to our boss, the Patriots suck. Well, they suck a little bit less now. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots, this is, a, this is their, their biggest issue right now. And one that, you know, that's what's crazy about the NFL. We, we, we joke before the year, right? They got DBs growing on trees. They got DBs growing on trees. Now they got, what, three, four injuries at DB? Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, shit, the tree's falling down. Yeah, they Christian got Gonzalez out for the year. Yeah, they got a few guys that are out right now. And last week was the first week where, and I know this surprised Devin McCourty because he was like, finally, somebody's testing these the the backup secondary players of the Patriots like nobody has done it in the last few weeks but yeah I think that the Chargers had had it with JC Jackson it certainly seemed that way that there was dysfunction there yeah and like New England seems to be one of those places where he thrives and they understand how to handle him and he understands what to expect from them and they need him badly right now so so I understand that I was I'm not gonna lie all right I was hoping the 49ers might get JC Jackson like, I was going to tell my buddy Shanahan, right? Because, again, I, I root for the Niners. I'm not going to lie here. Yeah. Like, if you want to win the Super Bowl this year, you're going to have to play the Eagles and those two receivers. And you might have to play the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. And if I look at the 49ers, like, one position, I'd be like, man, maybe get another cover corner for some of these teams you might have to play a little later in the year that got some real firepower. The Cowboys look like they're starting to have more than just C.D. Lamb, yeah. right? And so, you know, have to play them in the playoffs again or whatever. So I was like – Kind of like going to oh, be no. like, hey, 49ers, Kyle, you, you should go get J.C. Jackson. Is he going to check his text this morning and be like, oh, crap, too no, late. I didn't Why do, didn't I see I this? I didn't do it. I didn't say anything like that to him yet, but it was certainly was going to be something I was going to try to pump, pump into his brain. But the Patriots acted first. And the Rams designated Cooper Cup to return. He's reportedly pushing to play this week. The injury wow. was not as serious as initially feared. So how about that? Cooper Cup and... Uh, Puka uh, Nakua. Puka, Puka Matata. Hakuna <laughs> Matata. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, that's going to be quite the combination. You know, like I, I, I've said, Puka Nakua really reminds me of, of Cooper Cup. It's mm. that kind of player. I don't think he's maybe quite as explosive as Cooper is. You know, Cooper's one of those guys that ran a 40 time but plays faster than his 40 time. Uh, but either way, they get him back in the fold. Yeah, it's going to make them tough to stop. And they need it because they can't run the ball. They're not going to be able to consistently run the ball, I don't think. Yeah. You know? and, and, of course, they're not going to be able to consistently protect all that much either. So they need another guy so Stafford can throw sidearm little seven- and eight-yard lasers to the, these guys and work his way down the field. And that closes the book on the breaking news, the big butt, and the deep-dive treasure hunters, what the F happened. Boom. Who is where will Randy Gregory go? That's a good That's question. That's going to be a good one there. That is. I'm, I'm going to be interested. I think there's going to be quite the market or people trying to get him there uh, to, to add to their team. 
Um, I'll be interested to see who makes the play there. Um, all right, everybody. I hope everybody enjoyed it. That was a podcast. That was Wednesday. What the F happened, a.k.a. Treasure Hunters for the mm-hmm. G-rated crowd out there. Yep. And Ahmed Fareed. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. You know where to find us. And I'll continue to subscribe, rate, review. Keep sending questions to your social media. We'll do our best to get to it. Uh, hope everybody liked this one. Ahmed, thanks for driving the ship as always. You look so handsome Thank in you. your burn orange. Such New a Longhorn fan. Uh, you're such a Longhorn fan. Yeah, well, I'll take it. Maybe I'll take one it. day back. you They're can back. send your kids there. They're okay? back. Yep. Austin's a great All right, great, everybody. Great Be good. You know where to find us. Have a great rest of your week, homies. Tomorrow, PFT PM collaboration with Chris Sims on Button Picks Podcast. That's coming tomorrow. Peace out. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.